Well, good to see everyone. Glad you guys made it through the snow and the rain and the sleet. And uh, God is moving. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your presence here today. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we do as a people submit to you. We yield, God, to your authority, to your ways. And God, we just thank you, Lord, you're going to break off deception off of our thinking today. You're going to break off strongholds. Father, even as Chris shared earlier, God, the stronghold of insecurity, that God, you are breaking off insecurity off of us. You're breaking off rejection. You're breaking off things that hinder us from you and from others. And so, Father, through this fast, God, that we were talking about, I pray, God, that your power would be manifest through the breaking of our flesh, through the humbling of our hearts, God, that you would be glorified, honored, and praised. So, Lord, I just pray as we share the word today, God, that you would be glorified. And that, Father, this, this word that's in, in, in me, God, that you've placed inside of me, I pray, God, for an anointing upon it, God, to break off strongholds to create passion and conviction and obedience within our hearts God for us to surrender our will to you God this is our prayer God and we love you and we honor you in Jesus name and everybody said amen, amen. if you're with us online welcome glad you're here if you're here with us in house uh, last week we started talking about a 21 day fast that the Lord was inviting us into as a church and so I am going to talk today about part two of that uh, hopefully you've been preparing your heart this week and praying and asking God uh, number one how he wants you to participate and what he wants you to fast in this process you know spiritually we talked about last week how um, fasting and praying is really not a spiritual discipline that is really matured in the body of Christ in our nation. Would you guys all agree on that? I know in my own life, I've fasted more probably in my first 10 to 15 years of Christian, my Christian life than I have in the last 10. I'll admit it. Anybody else done that as well? And so uh, there is something that the Spirit of God is doing to convict us in this area of fasting. And as I shared last week, the people of the Bible, it was actually a very common thing in the Bible for people to fast when they needed breakthrough from their enemies, if they needed breakthrough in their health, if they needed breakthrough in the wisdom for their life, or if they needed direction. I think of when Moses went on top of Mount Carmel and he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He literally received the instruction from heaven. I mean, God gave him the Ten Commandments. He gave him the law of what we call the law of Moses. And it was really the law of God. Amen. But it's, it's amazing how the people in the word, uh, they fasted often. And they even got, in some ways, it became a religious duty. Uh, and so even the, 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 the Pharisees were, were criticized by Jesus that their fasting had turned into something that was religious. And their heart was disconnected from it. And so uh, as we're going into this fast, I'm praying that God will connect our hearts to it. There will be a yes and amen in our hearts, even though our flesh doesn't want to do it. Does anybody's flesh saying, I really don't want to go this way? Yeah. Amen. So uh, as we talked last week, uh, this corporate fast is a fast for breakthrough. We're believing God is going to bring breakthrough in this, even like Chris shared, breakthrough in uh, the area of insecurity, breakthrough from lies and deceptions that are in our thinking that keep us from obeying God. All those kind of things are what we're praying for breakthrough. But there were five specific things I talked about last week that we're going to hone in on. And uh, I just want to review those quickly to, to, to answer the why we are fasting, to get to the heart of why we're doing what we're doing. And so I just want us to go over the five things if we could get that put up on the screen, the five things that we talked about last week of why we're fasting. So, Jeff, is that not coming up? Technical difficulties. Well, one was we talked about, nope, back up. Maybe I didn't put it in the, we've had a challenging day today. I got here to church and I forgot to attach the PowerPoint to my email, so we didn't, have email, we didn't have PowerPoint at first, but I'll go ahead and talk about them. Breakthrough in the hearts of God's people. That there is a breakthrough that we need 
in our desire, passion, and pursuit of God's presence in our lives here at New Covenant Worship Center. Does anybody agree? I, you need a, a, a breakthrough in your passion and your desire for God. Number two, breakthrough in obedience of people at New Covenant, that a deep conviction to obey the Lord would rise up in the people of New Covenant. Number three, breakthrough in birthing a discipleship movement. We really believe that God is going to do something in this year in this house where parents are discipling their children on a weekly basis, where we are discipling friends and people within the church on a regular basis, and we're actually discipling the lost in the community. That people around work or people in our lives, the Lord is going to do a work in our hearts. We're praying. We, I don't know about you guys, but I am tired of just ministry in the four walls of this church. We have got to minister outside. Can I have an amen on that? And so we're believing God for a breakthrough in discipleship. We're believing God for a breakthrough in revival and awakening of our nation. Our nation desperately needs breakthrough in returning to God and wanting his presence. Amen on that. We're going to see breakthrough. Breakthrough in your life and family. This is where you get to personally decide what is it that you're standing, standing on. What is it that you're believing God for breakthrough in your life? Or maybe it's in a son or a daughter that's struggling or somebody in your family. But there's breakthrough that you need. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your spouse. You really hope God gets breakthrough in your spouse. Can I have an amen on that? Karen's been praying for that for years, right? I hear some women saying amen over here. But what is the area for your life that you're needing breakthrough? And that's why we're pressing into this. And we talked about how, and, and, and this sheet here, I've actually, uh, I really hope everybody will take one. I have, it's, it's much bigger than this. I just abbreviated this. But back on that table, I've made some copies of this. This is actually what you can take home, put in your Bible. This is what you'll pray with as you're fasting this week. You'll, you'll pray over these points. I'm also going to put it on uh, Facebook, our group page where you can see what we're praying for and why we're doing it. And I've even put some prayers within each section so that way you kind of can, it'll help you on what to pray for as we're break, praying for breakthrough from God. And so I'll put that on the Facebook and it's also back there as well. But th I said last week, and Shelly alluded to it as well, the this is a voluntary fast. You do not have to do this. Uh, but we are praying that the Spirit of God would really t take you with us over the next three weeks. You say, three weeks? We're fasting for three weeks? Well, I realize none of you probably can fast three weeks with no food but just water. I, I get that. Um, you, 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 we're, we're not asking you to do that. We're asking you, there may be, like Karen and I, we're taking a couple days a week where we're fasting the whole day. And then we're fasting some other things in our lives and I know several people that are doing the 21-day Daniel fast where it's all fruits and vegetables um, and no meat, no dairy, no, none of that stuff. And so people are doing different things. There's people who are going to be doing sugar. Uh, they're going to be doing coffee. They're going to be doing all kinds of different things. Social media, I really believe social media. We probably all need to fast social media. Can I have an amen on that? I mean, social media and how much time we spend on social media is crazy. I'm sure, I know some kids are doing gaming and all kinds of different things, but whatever pleasure God puts on your heart over the next three weeks to just sacrifice, to lay before him so that we can spend more time praying, more time seeking his face for these areas of breakthrough. Is everybody cool with that? Now, I've had several people talk to me this week, and they're preparing for this fast, and so here's a couple things that were, were shared with, oh, yes, I did want to share that. Thank you. Isaiah 58, 6, this is the context of our message that I'm going to go into. I'm going to go into Isaiah 58 a little later in de depth, but is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Everybody say, break every yoke. Say, break every yoke in my life. That's what I'm wanting right there. And I believe that's the fast that we're in. That's why we're calling it a breakthrough fast. I'm going to go into that scripture a little later. But we really need God's presence to break in. People are preparing. I've had several people talk to me about what they were going to. You don't have to tell me what you're fasting to, at all. But it was kind of funny. I'm going to share this with you. Um, where is the picture? Can we go backward? The picture. Is there not a picture in that? So I, somebody sent me a text this week, and they said, man, getting ready for my, my fast, and they're doing the Daniel fast, and they sent me, you've probably seen it on Facebook, because 
it was on there. There was this big, huge ribeye, two-pound ribeye steak and a little filet uh, steak. And uh, one of my family members, they're, they're doing the Daniel fast, and they said, I'm getting ready. I'm eating meat now before the fast starts Sunday. And then somebody texted me something, and it was a, a donut and a cup of coffee. I'm fasting coffee and donuts. And they, they said it, and I'm getting ready. I'm shoving it in my mouth before Sunday comes. That's probably not how we prepare our hearts for fasting, but I, hey, I, I get it. I don't know about you, but all hell broke loose this week as I'm preparing for the fast and, and realizing that, that the enemy is going to kick up his heels as we go into this fast. You guys realize that, right? And so uh, I wanted you guys to be prepared that um, we are going to press into some areas where the enemy doesn't want us to press. And when you give up your will, when you give up your own strength, it's like, it's, it's like the tithe. You're giving up strength when you give your money to the Lord. And, and fasting is, is so much the same thing. But there is a physical cost. If you're going to do food, there is a physical cost to fasting. And I want to make sure you're healthy and all that kind of stuff. You know, many people say consult your doctor. I would definitely consult Dr. Jesus first, and then I would consult your doctor after that. But if you're going to do many, many days of fasting, you do need to have some wisdom in that process. But even one or two or three days of fasting can, uh, it really will, your body will become uh, your, your reminder that you're dying to self, right? But fasting and praying, there is a cost. And the cost to our body, your body may scream, uh, but I really want to encourage you to prepare yourself that um, as we go into this fast, your flesh does not want this. And you're going to want to quit a thousand times. And if you quit and you mess up and you eat a T-bone steak and you weren't supposed to, I say, uh, ask the Lord to forgive you and say, God, I'm going to jump back on the, on the wagon and I'm going to believe for breakthrough. I'm going to believe God for you to break things off of my life and off of my church's life. And uh, so it's going to be a, an interesting uh, 21 days for us. Can everybody say amen on that? <clears throat> it's, it's, you might even get a little irritable. Now, I, 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 don't want to, I don't want to nullify faith. There is a grace for fasting where God helps you, and there's a grace on it. But there is, re- I mean, let's get real with each other. Um, I know maybe, maybe your spouse is always irritable, so you think they're always fasting. <laughs> but but you, when your flesh doesn't get what, it's, what it wants, you, there might be some irritation. With some hecklers over here. <laughs> if you're not drinking coffee and you've been drinking two and three and four cups of coffee every day, you know what? I rebuke headaches, but there might be some dizziness and weird stuff going on in your body. If you're, if, if you're uh, fasting chocolate and you've been having chocolate every day for a while, you, you, your flesh is going to say, I want my chocolate. It's, I mean, these are real stuff, right? And uh, these things get ready for it. And so I'm not saying that to nullify our faith because I believe there's a grace. But I think the grace for fasting is the grace to finish. It's the grace to press in. It's the grace to believe God what he wants to do through the fast. So I don't want us to concentrate on the cost of fasting. What I want us to concentrate on is the, is the why, the benefits of fasting, of what God's doing in us and through us to get there. And so the thing that I really want to encourage us is to have a spiritual vision of why we're doing that. You must see the benefit of fasting, that it's greater than the physical cost of fasting. If you focus on your body and what your body is saying, you will quit the fast. But if you focus on the benefit of fasting, and is it, is, it, is it worth your church family and your life getting more passionately in love with Jesus Christ? Is the fasting, is the benefit of fasting that your church family and us as a body are going to draw closer to Jesus in this next three weeks? Is that is that benefit enough to say, I'm willing to do that? Is the benefit of us becoming more obedient as a church and obeying God in the things that he's calling us to do and to be, is that benefit of what we're going to obtain, is it enough to, to go past the physical cost of fasting? 
Is the benefit of us and our nation turning back to God, is it enough? Is that benefit high enough for us for the, to, to, to go past the cost of fasting? Is a discipleship movement in this house the benefit of that happening where parents are weekly discipling their children? Where we are getting together as individuals, getting in the Word of God, discipling and helping one another grow in our walk with Christ. And what is it enough that people are, who are lost in our, in our oikos, our spheres of influence, that they come to know Christ in this next year and we begin to disciple them to obey all that God has commanded? Is that benefit? Are those things strong enough in your heart? If they're not in your heart, you will not, the, the cost of fasting will overtake you. And so the spiritual vision of why we're doing this, the benefit of what we're contending for, when Dennis Kramer prophesied over, uh, over this house, get ready for a group of people to press into the purposes of God. That is a conditional word. That word will not happen if we as the people of God do not press into what God has for us. It's actually an invitation to press in. It's an invitation to fast and to pray. It's an invitation to become the people of God that he wants us to be. And so I'm praying that God will break off apathy, complacency, all that kind of garbage that's, that's infiltrated our hearts and our lives as a church. Every one of us have parts of apathy in certain aspects of your life when it comes to your walk with Jesus Christ. And I believe the fast that God requires, the fast that he's looking for, is to break off chains and, and fetters and things that bind us. Amen? So, I want us to focus on the vision of the fast, the why, these five areas of needing breakthrough in your life and in my life and in this church's life, in our nation, that we will focus on the benefit and the purpose, the vision behind it, that you won't focus on your body screaming. Say, can I have faith for that? Can you have faith for that? Amen. Amen. Praise God. So, a quote from Bill Bright, who was the he, he started Campus Crusade for Christ. He had a quote that I loved. He said, I believe the power of fasting as it relates to prayer is the spiritual atomic bomb that our Lord has given us to destroy the strongholds of evil and usher in a great revival and spiritual harvest around the world. I love the word spiritual atomic bomb to destroy the strongholds of evil that are in your mind and in your life, that's in this church, that's in this city, that's in our nation, that the atomic bomb, as we pray and fast, it's actually a gift. It's an invitation that relates to how God's going to do what he wants to do in all of our lives. Well, will you extend your faith with us to believe God for the atomic bomb of breakthrough here? Yeah, oh, yeah, praise God. We're starting off really good. Yeah, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll give you, yeah, hallelujah. Will you extend your faith with us to believe the atomic bomb of God's presence will break in and he will bring breakthrough for us in this house and in our nation? Will you, in faith, believe with us that God is going to do a work in us? The deception would break off of us. That strongholds would come down. That generational curses and generational sins that have been in our lives for years would be broken off. Will you extend your faith for that? I don't know about you. I've got to have an atomic bomb. I need a spiritual blowout from heaven. I need evil strongholds broken off my life and off of the people in this house. I need evil strongholds broken off my nation. I need evil strongholds over our teenagers stripped off of them. Fear, panic, overwhelmed, depression, the list goes on and on. We're losing a generation. 
I have faith for our nation, and I have faith for our church. I have faith for our region. God is rebirthing hope in me again. There was such despair and discouragement that I'd walked through, and I wasn't in faith. But faith is being reborn. There is something going on in my heart through this fast where God is breaking some garbage off my thinking, some lies that have set inside of me through disappointment and through discouragement that have made me buy lies that God can't break in. Let faith arise. Oh God, I pray in the name of Jesus, let faith arise. And may your enemies be scattered in Jesus' name. And so I want to go through a couple things, a couple uh, uh, fasts. One's in the Word of God and one is one with our nation. And I want to go over a couple of these fasts. I really struggled putting this message together. I, I, I really enjoyed studying the Word and having fun looking at all the different fasts as I was studying. But man, I really struggled with putting how God wanted me to bring this forth today. And so it may be rough and ugly, it may be awesome, and I don't know, but I just know God's going to use it. And so, um, you know, as we're looking at our nation, I wanted to give an example of what took place in our nation when our nation fasted, and I wanted to take a look at when Queen Esther fasted in, uh, and so in the book of Esther. And I want to I go over those, pick up some things, some truths out of those things, and I pray that they challenge your heart. And so I want to start off with the faith for our nation. Anybody have faith for our nation that it can turn? We went through the, one of the craziest last years that I can ever remember in my life. Anybody else? Crazy where we're at. Crazy. Well, I want to remind us of um, a civil war that took place in this nation back in the 1800s. And our nation was more divided in 1861 than it is even today. And I want to go over, and I want to use this as a reminder that though our nation is dark and there's some principalities that are in control of our nation, our God reigns. And he does have the power to move hearts of kings. Okay? And so I want to remind us where we were at, you know, a couple hundred years ago, almost, when it came to the Civil War and the division that had taken place in our nation. President Lincoln's, I want, I want to go over three fasts that President Lincoln and the Senate of the United States of America asked the people to do in order to bring breakthrough in our nation. And I want to start with President Lincoln getting elected on, see, Lincoln becomes president on March 2nd, 1861, our nation is divided on slavery, and we are, in a, we are in a crazy, crazy time. Literally, from at the end of the year when Lincoln got inaugurated as President of the United States, from the time he got inaugurated till the time he took office on March 2nd, there were seven states that actually seceded from the United States. I talk about it down a little further, but they literally said, we are not part of the United States of America. Seven states. You talk about division. And so on April 12th, 43 days after Lincoln's inauguration, the Civil War breaks out. Seven states declare their secession from the United States. They, they form the Confederate States of America. How would you like this nation to be called? The Confederate States of the United States. Or the Confederate States of America, rather than the United States. We think we have division. That's where our division is headed if we don't bring change. A, a nation divided against itself will not stand. That's the word of God. And so we're headed in a trajectory. If my people who are called by my name, if they'll humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal from heaven and forgive their sin and what heal their land. Our land needs healing of the division. Even that division that's in our nation right now between Republicans and Re Democrats, my gosh, that division is also in the house of God. It is right here in New Covenant Worship Center. Critical hearts, not being in unity, you know, complaining and all that kind of stuff. We have division in households right now, husbands and wives, not on the same page. I dealt with three last week. Dear Jesus, help us.
And so this division that had hit our nation on August 12, 1861, Lincoln and the Senate are desperate. They're four months. They're four months into a civil war. Our young men are being slaughtered against each other on the fields. And they're desperate and they declare a national day of fasting, prayer, and public humiliation. Fasting for national peace and unity. I don't know about you, I'd be real excited if the President of the United States said, all of America, go to your house of worship on this day and begin to repent and ask God to forgive us for the sins of our nation. Would that not excite you? And guess what? The war kept going, even though they fasted and prayed. Then on March 30th, two years later almost, 1863, our government, desperate again for God's help, calls another national day of fasting and prayer, asking God for forgiveness of the sin of the Civil War and how we had forgotten God. Does that sound familiar, how we have forgotten God in our nation? Let me read to you this proclamation. This is powerful. I've shared this before. Whereas the Senate of the United States devoutly recognizes the supreme authority and just government of Almighty God in all the affairs of men and of nations, has by resolution requested the president to designate and set apart a day for national prayer and humiliation. And whereas it is the duty of nations as well as of men to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God to confess their sins and transgressions in humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon, and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. And so much as we know that, by his divine law, nations like individuals are subjected to punishments and chastisements in this world. We, may we not justly fear that the awful calamity of civil war, which now desolates the land, may be, may be put, oh, may be but a punishment inflicted upon us for our presumptuous sins to the needful end of our national reformation as a whole people. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved by Almighty God these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. Wow. Very good. Wow. And they say our founding fathers did not acknowledge Almighty God and that Jesus is Lord. Well, unfortunately, the war continued a little longer because America was not repenting. America was not heeding to what the voice of God was saying. People weren't listening. And on August 4th, 1864, one year later, Lincoln calls for a third fast from the nation. And this one is for forgiveness and to implore God as the supreme ruler of the world not to destroy us as a people. God, do not destroy us as a people. 
that all would go to their place of worship on that day and pray for God to enlighten the mind of the nation, to know and to do his will, to return to God, to confess our natural, national sins, and ask for God's forgiveness. Again, the Spirit of God was drawing the people. A God was saying, come, fast, pray, turn from your wicked ways, and then I will heal your land. And this, this, this faith that we have for God to, to redeem our nation is going to be subject to how we respond to God as he's wooing us, how he's convicting us. Are we going to respond to this fast with seriousness? Or are we going to say, well, that was a tough one. And unfortunately, Lincoln, on April 14, 1865, four months after this last fast, Lincoln is assassinated and killed. And then less than one month later, after his death, the war ends. A sacrificial lamb, just like the Jesus, he was a metaphor of Christ, how he was bringing help and salvation and deliverance to a people. He sacrificed his life to see that slavery was abolished. Are you glad that slavery was abolished in our nation? Are you glad that unity returned to this nation? Are you glad we're the United States of America? Well, prayer and fasting was part of that breakthrough. Prayer and fasting was part of God shaking a people and getting their attention. The atomic bomb of fasting and prayer destroyed the stronghold of evil and breakthrough came for our nation. Does anybody want to say thank you, Jesus? There's hope for our nation. Our God is sovereign. Our God is providential. Our God moves. He has the ability to sway the hearts of kings. We're going to see that even in the, the story of Esther as we land in on this one. But will you have faith to believe that God can break off demonic strongholds? That God can break off demonic strongholds and principalities that are over our nation, over our church, over our own personal hearts. Say, over my personal heart. I need demonic strongholds broken off. Absolutely. Back to the scripture that I started the message with. Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? to loose the chains of injustice, just like God loosed the chains of injustice towards our black brothers and untie the cords of the yoke the, the, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Now, when Isaiah was prophesying this to God's people many, many years ago, again, they had fallen away from God. They were fasting as a religious thing. But they were not believing God for a transformed heart. They were trying to manipulate God with fasting. But in this case, God calls, in, in, in Isaiah, where Isaiah is here, what I want to share is God was calling his people, Israel, at that time to a higher standard. He was calling them to it that the fast that God requires, the fast that he was wanting, he was trying to, Isaiah was prophesying to them what the heart of God was for fasting. He tells them their fasting and prayer has to do, has to be more than religious activity. Isaiah is saying the fasting God wants is rooted in transformation and a lifestyle that aligns your heart with God's word and his will. Transformation, fasting that brings the will of God, the word of God, and transformed lives. That we would experience the kind of fasting and prayer that God chooses. The kind that removes the chains of injustice in our nation. The kind of a fast that breaks the demonic oppression and strongholds off of people's lives again and sets people free. Again, will you have faith to believe God could do that here? Let's look at Esther and her experience in fasting and prayer in the Word of God and when, what happened when she fasted and prayed. And first off, I want to kind of set the context. I really want to encourage you to read this book this week. Esther's only about 10 chapters long. It is powerful. It is amazing. But to set the context, Esther was queen of Babylon. She had taken on the queenship after uh, Xerxes, which was the king at that time. He had basically removed the queen because she would not submit to him. 
she, he wanted her to come out. He had wanted the queen to come out and bring, they were having a drunken, they were having a drunken party with all the men. And he wanted his beautiful wife to come out and dance and take a look at uh, her beauty before a bunch of drunken men. She, you, can you imagine what that would have looked like? And she would not go out there. She would not, she had enough integrity in her heart not to do it. But it, 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 it angered her husband, the king. And so he removed her from kingship and God brought, and, and he brought all these young ladies before him. And Esther, who was beauty with her, she had a beautiful figure and she was beautiful, was chosen to be the queen, his next queen of, of Babylon. And so in this storyline, it is such a beautiful story of God's redemption, his power, and God using a woman to change the nation and to change the trajectory of God's people. And so in this storyline, she, she was an orphan. She, her mom and dad had died. The, t the context of the timing of this story is the children of Israel had, all, had already went through the Babylonian, Babylonian exile. They had already spent 70 years spread out throughout the nations. And they had been released to go back to Judah. They had been released to go back to Jerusalem. But she, Esther, and her uncle, or her uncle Mordecai actually stayed in Babylon, which is Iran, okay? So believe it or not, Iran was still a nation back then, okay? And so they were in Babylon, in, uh, and my brain just lost it. They were in Babylon. They did not go back to Judah. And Esther had a high position as queen, and Mordecai had a position within the king's house. And so God was using them. But Jews were still, only about 42,000 Jews, roughly, had returned back to Judah. All the other Jews, they were still scattered throughout the nations. And so here we have this situation with Esther coming in on the scene. And um, the world in that place in the East is so much different than the United States of America. You guys have peace all the time. We have been in peace almost ever since this nation, except for the Civil War. We've been in peace. We don't have to worry about getting shot and, and somebody taking over our nation. But in, in the East, nations were taken over. I mean, Alexander the Great went and conquered. And then you had Cyrus come and conquer. And you had uh, King Xerxes, who then conquered that one. And they were constantly being conquered and taken over by one rulership and one kingdom. I mean, the Middle East has had war ever since the beginning of time. You guys realize that, right? And so the context, wow, bear with me. The context of what's going on here. God has now brought influence. He has actually put Christians inside the government of an illegitimate and an evil kingdom, an evil empire. Just like what we're believing God for. We need to be in politics. We need to be in business. We need to be in media. We need to be in all the areas of influence so that we can influence the nations. Can I have an amen on that? And God has gotten his people in there. And here is the kingdom of Xerxes. I bet you could advance that for me. It's not advancing. There we go. I'll go back now. This is the Persian Empire. This is how big we're talking about as we talk about this story. All the way to the right here to India, Pakistan, Afghanistan, all the way through Iraq, Syria, Turkey, Jordan, Israel, even down into Egypt. This king had authority over all these provinces. There were 127 provinces. Now, the reason I'm going into a little bit of detail is setting the context by which, you know, which this story and what's going on when the fast is, 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 is brought about. And so it's a big area. That's a lot of people. And Jews are scattered throughout this whole area. And here's what happens in Esther 3. Haman, who was the second in command of King Xerxes' kingdom saw that Mordecai, which was Esther's uncle, would not bow down and pay honor to him, and he was enraged. And they had asked, they had required people to bow almost as worship to him and Xerxes. And he got enraged, yet having learned who Mordecai's people were, he scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the whole kingdom of 
Xerxes. Everybody say Xerxes. Isn't that a real wild name? I'm sure none of you are going to name your child that tomorrow. Yeah. Ladasha, Lamangelo. I mean, there's all kinds of them out there, right? People making up all kinds. Then we go into verse 4, or chapter 4. When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, he put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out into the city wailing loudly and bitterly. I want to stop here a second, because I didn't explain in between the two scriptures. So Haman had made an edict, an edict to kill all the Jews, women, children, everybody, in all the provinces. And, and, more, and uh, um, Haman had actually had the secretaries within the kingdom send out to all the provinces, 127. Can you imagine how long that took to get horse riders and camel riders out to all the provinces to tell them that on the 11th month, this was 11 months out, that they were going to, on a certain day, they were going to kill all the Jews and all, uh, all the Jews in the whole province because Haman had convinced the king that God's people were a threat to him. And so when Mordecai heard this, this is what happens. When Mordecai heard the edict that had been given over the nations to kill all Jews, Mordecai was grieved. He was a Jew. Esther was a Jew. All the Jews in Judah, in Jerusalem, Syria, all those countries were going to be killed. Women, children, on a certain day. And the king had given it, and with his signet ring, had stamped it. Hey, how would you like it if uh, all of a sudden China had, had made a decision just to come over here and wipe us out? Or to wipe out every American, in Chi every American that's living in China? Would that make you desperate, Tina? Would it make you desperate for your children? See, we have the same situation, we just don't realize the desperation that we're in. Because we think it's business as usual. Because we're deceived. We've been lulled asleep thinking that it's going, we're going to be able to go back to business as usual. Oh, we'll get our life back after the COVID. We'll get our life back. You know, everything will return to normal. No, it, there's a new normal. There's a new normal in our culture. There's some things that are going on that are moving us towards the end time and the Lord's return. We are in a place where we are going to see the fulfillment of God's prophetic words and Jesus Christ returning on the scene. We are actually going to see the return of the Lord. Now, I can't say it's going to be tomorrow or it's going to be three years, but there is something God's wanting us to do in order to, to advance the kingdom in the hour in which we're responsible for. I'm not responsible for 20 or 40 years from now. I'm responsible for the era and the epoch that I'm currently in. I'm responsible over a house. I'm responsible over a city and a region to fulfill and obey the word of the Lord. And you are too. And so immediately, they put on sackcloth and ashes, which I'll show what that looks like here in a second. And they went out, and he went out in the city wailing loudly and bitterly. But he went only as far as the king's gate, because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter. In every province, everybody say every. every. To which the edict and order of the king had come, there was great mourning among the Jews, fasting, weeping, and wailing. Many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Look at what the immediate response was of the people of God. Yes, they're desperate. But they immediately went to fasting and praying. Now, in their culture, they would put on sackcloth and ashes and would look like this. You might know you're fasting if you look like that. <laughs> now, I'm not going to go into why they did that. Because even Jesus corrected the Pharisees about looking like you're fasting. And he challenged them to fast in private. He asked them, to, he said that, that they should not make themselves up so that people know they're fasting. I'm not going to go into why, but I want you to know it was a cultural thing. The people of God fasted, and when there was a problem and they needed breakthrough, they fasted and they prayed. And they smelt like ashes. <laughs> but it was this, this, 
this humbling, this beseeching God, this, this crying, this mourning, oh God, help us. That was going on at the time of Esther. Then Queen Esther and Mordecai get together on what are we going to do. And Mordecai tells Esther, you have got to go to the king and you've got to save God's people. You've got to tell him what's going on. You've got to tell him what Haman's trying to do and, and, and that it's, 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 it's debunked. And so Esther goes, man, I can't go to the king. He only calls for me. It had been 30 days since she had been in the presence of the king. She says, I can't just go to the king. He has to extend his scepter. He has to call for me. But she said, okay, he says, here's what we'll do. She said, get everyone in Babylon, in this, where the capital was, where the king was at. Get all the Jews to get together. And she said, fast for me. Listen to what she said. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. No food, no water, nothing for three days. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. And so God's people, again, fast for three days. And she calls the king and Haman to a banquet. She fixes a meal for them. And then she says, tomorrow I will tell you what I want, king. And she brings Haman back and the king back again a second day to feed them. And Haman, the second time he comes back, he's ready to kill Mordecai. He builds a 75-foot, now guys think about 75-foot pole to impale Haman. A pole, 75 feet, he is going to impale Mordecai on that pole and put him out in for dis display. And then later, they're going to go and kill all the Jews. Can you imagine a 75-foot pole with a guy hanging up it, impaled dead? That's, that's what his plan was the very next day. But God's people were fasting, and God's people were praying. Let's see what the fast hap happened. Let's see what happens in the fast here, guys. This is where it gets really exciting. Let's get off the ashes. So, that night, everybody say that night. that night. The king could not sleep. Here we go. God's breakthrough is coming. So he ordered the book of the Chronicles, the record of his reign, to be brought and read to him. So just imagine, in the middle of the night, he can't read, and he's soothing himself with his record. Look at all that I've done. Read to me what I've done in my kingdom. And, and as he's reading the annals of the, the Chronicles, it is found recorded there that Mordecai, which was Esther's uncle, had exposed Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, who had conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. What honor and recognition has Mordecai received for this, the king asked. God is turning the heart of a king. God is turning the heart of a king. Did you guys see this? In the fast, in the praying, in the seeking of God's face, God begins to turn the heart of a king. Everybody say with me, God turns the hearts of kings. God turns the hearts of kings. <laughs> He's going to turn the heart of my king in this nation. Amen. And God turns his heart towards Mordecai. And the next day, he is going to honor Mordecai. He, he's going to put him on a horse. He's going to give him a royal robe. And, and Haman's getting ready to kill him. Right. Well, the long story short, how it goes down is God's divine power breaks in. At dinner, Haman is exposed. And God's heart had been turned or the king's heart had been turned, and so actually Haman was put on the 75-foot pole. And God's people were spared, and a new edict went out to not annihilate the Jewish people, and God's people were saved. Yes, God's people were saved. The Jews, 
through that whole province were saved. And there's a much bigger story here. And that's what we don't realize even in our own nation. There's a much bigger story that we don't see. You know, and we see God performing, and we want him to perform it a certain way. But I promise you, God is working behind the scenes. God is swaying. God is moving in our nation. He's moving in our hearts. He's moving in your spouse. He's moving in people's hearts, even when you don't see it. And there's three points that I really want to bring out that I think will help us as we go into this fast that really will, should encourage us. And then I'm going to explain these things real quickly. The three points where we can trust God in fasting. God's intervention and protection of his people. If you look at that Esther fast, God protected and he intervened for his people. Number two, there was a human responsibility. We can trust God to move on people's hearts. And number three, wickedness brought down. Now I want to explain these just briefly. First is God's divine protection for his people. God is always working. Everybody say God is always working. To protect his people. I know that there are people in other nations who are born again, who are experiencing some really crazy things, persecution, that we don't experience here. But I promise you, God is always working to protect his people. There was a demonic force that was attempting to destroy God's people. We wrestle not with flesh and blood but principalities and powers. There was a demonic force that was trying to bring the spirit of death over God's people. He was just trying to destroy the bigger picture of what God was doing. And even now, God is doing that in our midst. If Haman had succeeded in killing the Jewish people, if he would have succeeded in killing them, you would not be saved today. Because the bigger picture of what was in God's heart to protect his people, the story of God's saving work from Abraham to Christ, to us, would have been stopped. If Hitler would have accomplished killing the Jews, something else would have happened. But in this case, the saving work from Abraham to Christ to us would have come to an end. There would have been no fulfillment in Christ through the Jewish line. Therefore, no gospel, no Christian church. We would be lost in our sin, but God has a plan, and he will always intervene, and he will always protect his kids. And in this journey that we're on right now, that God is working behind the scenes. He is intervening on our behalf, and there is a God in heaven who changes hearts kings, the hearts of kings. And he will intervene. The second thing is human responsibility, which really speaks to our situation and what we're responsible for. Esther and Mordecai showed great courage and took risks. Their actions were significant. They needed breakthrough and help. They got on their knees and they fasted and they prayed for breakthrough. They boldly in fear took risk to see God's will done. God always works through his people to will and to act. This fast, he is working through his people to will and to act. Yes, right now our focus is on our, our church and the people here and our nation, but God always, there's a, response, a human responsibility in every fast. What if Esther and Mordecai had not taken their life into their own hands to save the nation? What if God's people here do not take into their own hands their own responsibility to pray and to seek God for this nation? The people of God have a responsibility to act with courage when circumstances in our culture warrant it. We have situations in our church and our nation that need human responsibility. People who will obey God even when it is difficult to push through. People who will obey God even when it's difficult to push through like Esther. I'm glad Esther pushed through. I'm glad Esther prayed and fasted. I'm thankful that Mordecai and the Jewish people fasted and prayed. 
It changed history. And I believe this fast will require you to press into God. I believe this fast will require me to press into God. To get closer to Him. To hear His voice. And to obey Him with the responsibility He wants to put on my life and your life to bring about change in our culture. To bring about change with our children. To bring about change in discipleship. To bring about change in our passion for God. God will use you as a mouthpiece. God will use you to bring change. Don't complain about the change that needs to be to, the change that needs to play, take place in this church. Don't complain about the change that needs to be take place. Be part of the solution. Be responsible to bring change. Be responsible for the change that God wants in your heart. Be responsible for the change that God wants to take place in this house. Be, be part of the change of discipling our children and, and the people in this church. Be a part of what God is wanting to do. And press in and allow God to do it. The third thing is wickedness brought down and I will land the plane. Xerxes and Haman were important people who had considerable power and authority. If you read the story in uh, Esther, you will see how much wealth both Haman and Xerxes had. Actually, Haman offered 10,000 pieces of silver to kill the Jews from his own treasury. These men had great power, they had great money, they had great authority. But the proud people of this world who rule in wickedness are not as powerful as they think they are. I'm going to repeat that. The, 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 the proud people of this world who rule in wickedness are not as powerful as they think they are. When they oppose God and his people, when they oppose God and his people, when they ridicule God and his people, which is going on in our nation and the nations of the earth, the Bible says God laughs at them. When wickedness rules and makes fun of God's people and tries to terrorize God's people, God raises up and he laughs at them. And you don't need to be worried right now. You need to be laughing in the face of the enemy and what he's trying to do in our nation as we fast and pray and press into what God's wanting. I'm telling you, God is laughing at evil men who are scheming in our nation. And he will bring wickedness down. He will make their hearts submit to him. In Psalms chapter 2, it says this. <clears throat> if I can't get it, I'll read it. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed. By the way, that's you. Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. <laughs> the Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. Yes, give the Lord some praise. Give the Lord some praise. God will laugh at the wickedness and the wickedness of leaders. But God's people, just like Esther, we have to rise up and we have to take responsibility for this fast. We have to say we are a part. God is not going to have a spiritual revival in this city that's been prophesied without God's people praying, fasting, and seeking his face. Without God's people repenting and turning from their wicked ways, there will not be a move of God's presence. It's not an unconditional prophecy. If my people will humble themselves and pray. Get ready. Get ready requires action. Get ready for a group of people in this house to rise up and to press into the things that I have for this house. The condition is the people have to press in. I don't know about you. But I am tired of business as usual. I'm tired of maintaining ministry. I'm tired of having just Sunday morning services. And the city around us is going to hell. 
the wickedness in all areas of our nation. We've got to have breakthrough. Stand up with me. title of this message is Breakthrough is Coming. I probably should have titled it something else. But breakthrough is coming if the kind of fasting that God has chosen is to break wicked strongholds and to set captives free. Close your eyes with me. I don't know about you, but I want my strongholds broken. How about you? Everyone in this room, you have a stronghold of some form. In this fast, the power of God will come to shatter that stronghold of fear and intimidation and rejection, anxiety, depression, mental illness, cancer, sickness, disease, whatever stronghold is attached itself to you and your family those strongholds of sin that have been there for years that you've been playing games with that you've actually thought are normal ain't normal mm. I believe that God wants to bring that stronghold down I don't know about you but I want to see this church free I want to see this church operating in the gifts of the Spirit and the power of God I want to see people being discipled, trained to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them. Everybody say teaching them. I want to teach them to obey all that Christ has commanded us. I don't know about you, but I want my nation to come back to God. I want my nation back. I want our nation back. Does anybody want our nation back? Yeah. I have faith that God will bring our nation back to her knees. She will come back. She'd for, she's forgotten her God. But Father, I thank you that she's going to come back. And I don't know about you, but I want your family free. I want your family free. I want your children free. I don't want to lose your children after they leave high school and they quit going to church and they quit being a Christian and they, they go their own way and they're bored. I don't want that. Does anybody want change? Yes. God, capture our children. And yet the generations yet to come after us. Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, as we enter this fast today, whether it be food, whether it be other pleasures that you're calling us to lay down in a time of humiliation, in a time of humility, in a time of brokenness, in a time of seeking your face, I ask for your grace over this house. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would strengthen your people in this fast. That, Father God, you would break off every stronghold, every, every, every bondage, and that, God, you would draw our hearts and affections towards you, God. Father, we are a people who are in desperate need of breakthrough. In our church, in our individual lives, in our children and in our nation. Have mercy, oh God. Have mercy on us. Empower us to press in. Father, draw the affection of our hearts towards you through this. I thank you, God, for the power of transformation through the power of the Spirit. God, that you're going to energize us and give us grace to press into your presence. I thank you for increasing hunger for you as we lay down hunger in our flesh. 
I thank you for removing the inferior pleasures of this world of entertainment as we lay them down, as we sacrifice social media, gaming, entertainment, pleasures of this world, God. I thank you as we sacrifice that and lay that down over the next several weeks that, God, you're going to increase the inferior, you're going to remove the inferior pleasure and increase the superior pleasure of loving you, spending time in your word, praying together as a family, getting together and studying the word together and having faith to believe for change. Father, I thank you for shaking us. And so, Lord, we surrender to you. I ask that you bless us and guide us over the next couple weeks. Father, we surrender and we say yes. We repent and we turn from our wicked ways. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. Amen. Thank you. Oh, more Lord, more Lord, more Lord.